Welcome to the Final Score Network and the Final Score Podcast, presented by Team Anders Realtors. I'm Andy. He's former D3 student athlete and co-host... Ryan! Find us on Podbean, the Apple Podcast Store, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at TheFinalScore35. There is always plenty to run through, but before we get to it, a word from our presenting sponsor. Team Anders' goal is to serve its clients in finding the home that best fits their needs and make the process simple and fun along the way. They are a team of people who will be in close communication personally taking care of your real estate needs through technology, marketing, and advertising. Team Anders has served thousands of clients over 30-plus years in the Grand Rapids, Michigan area, and are here to serve you today. Learn more at teamanders.com. Happy 50th birthday, TFS Podcast. Yep, that's right. We have done 50 podcasts now. Time flies when you're having fun. And there is also a lot to talk about. That helps. This week is no different. We've got things from the match. Feast week is an epic. I, I'm pretty sure that that's the best crossroads of any sports week in the history of sports. Because you've got all the college basketball tournaments. You've got all the rivalry games. You've got all the lead up to the conference championships. And it was an epic week. So much to talk about. We'll get into all that. I was going to talk a little bit about Heisman maybe a little while, but we'll save that for next week just so we have some topics for next week. I don't know. We just got a lot to talk about, so let's go right to the podium. Ryan, the lectern is yours. Yeah, crazy stuff. Uh, sports are just phenomenal right now. Happy 50th birthday to us and our podcast. Um, great stuff. But this week, um, a, t- a topic that is hot and heavy in the world of college football, and that is the coaching carousel, the transfer portal, and I'm going to combine them. Coaches cannot be mad about the transfer portal when they jump ship so often and so quickly. Exhibit A, Lincoln Riley, Brian Kelly. That's just two to name a few. There's, It's happening left and right. The transfer portal yesterday was the official, official not official start. You know what I mean? It, it was been open all year, but yesterday was the first Monday after the end of the regular season. About 250 guys entered their name just alone yesterday, and another probably 200 today. Crazy stuff. Coaches are mad about it. Oh, it's like free agency. Well, these coaches are leaving left and right to go for jobs um, without even telling their players this. Exhibit A, Brian Kelly. Um, crazy stuff. They can't complain. I'll make it short, but it needs to stop. It, it can't have both ways, guys. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there, and we're going to get to a little bit more in the NRT up. For for my podium, I'm going to jump away from football and basketball just because we're going to talk about that a lot on this podcast. And I'm just going to say, hey, Bryson, you wanted a shot at Brooks? You got what you wanted. You got your ass kicked. Now, granted, I think I saw today, like at its peak, the viewership was significantly less than the most viewed, which was the match two. I can't even remember who was in the match two, but... Interesting, they played 12 holes, not 18, not really sure why. Clearly, Bryson wanted to win that so bad. Brooks, like he does in the majors, appears like he doesn't care, and then he just steps on your throat and twists. 
And by the way, the only other thing that I'll say there is, because I do like the match, I think it's good TV. I think, you know, what they do with guys like Phil and Barkley and, you know, being in their ear and that kind of stuff, I think it's really entertaining. I don't know that Thanksgiving weekend is the time to do it because you have so much going on from college basketball to college football to NFL and things starting to heat up there. I, you know, it probably wasted a little bit on people because there's too many other options, but I'll close this podium with one thing. If CBS or NBC or whoever has golf does not scoop up Phil Mickelson to be your number one color commentator, you are a fool. I'm sorry, Sir Nick Faldo, in your British accent. I'm sorry, Zinger. You know, you're, you know, you're trying to kind of be like Johnny Miller. Phil Mickelson could smoke you both in circles already with his one-liners, his insights, his entertaining, the questions that he asks. Now, granted, he can't ask regular guys questions in a regular tour event, but Phil, you are the king. You made that event worthwhile because the golf was done after nine holes. Um, CBS, NBC, somebody, hire Phil already to be the Tony Romo of golf coverage. All right, that's my podium. We're going to get heavy and hot into uh, football and basketball now. But starting with, who do we want to tee up this week, Ryan? We've got lots of different people that we could. You know, there's lots of things going on. Kind of related a little bit to to your topic, but... Yep, yep. So this week we're going to tee up uh, basically just college football coaches and just the carousel and when they leave uh, for other jobs and kind of how that goes about. Yeah, I mean, for me, I want to tee them up because I want to tee up schools and coaches. There needs to be a moratorium, just like there are rules around recruiting and when you can go on the road and when you can't. There needs to be just a hard and fast rule. Unless somebody did something egregiously illegal, you can't fire a coach in the middle of the season. There's no point. You're bailing on the kids to get a head start. And then as a coach like Brian Kelly... Lincoln Riley, so on and so forth. You cannot leave the day after your regular season ends when other things are hanging in the balance. I just, I know they have the early signing period now in December and they have two signing periods. So adjust that. Fine. Fix that. It needs to be a hard and fast rule that you cannot, just like I think in the NFL, you can't interview coaches that are still in season during the playoffs. You cannot leave your job or get fired from your job until after bowl season is done. Open season, January to February. I know you got to have time for spring practice. Figure it out because it is not a good look to fire a coach in the middle of the season and have lame duck and leave these kids hanging because it's supposed to be about the players, right? And by the same token for the players, it's not fair for Brian Kelly to leave Notre Dame who very legitimately has a chance still to get into the CFP if things fall right this week, like I don't, I just, it blows my mind. The self-servedness in college sports is the one thing that will change about college football and captain agrees. It is just, I don't know. It's just, it's, I don't have the perfect answer, but the way they do it now is not right. These kids are getting screwed. Schools are getting screwed. People are getting screwed and it's wrong. So I'm teeing up coaches and programs for the coaching carousel. All right. Moving on. We got our regular around the world five spots. We've got 
lots of football, lots of basketball, pick them and CFP predictions and all kinds of stuff. A great sprint as always. So let's get right into it. Ryan, start us off with some Big Ten football thoughts. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to go in order. Um, Friday, Iowa, Nebraska. Oh my goodness, Nebraska again. They they did it again. Eight games they lost by touchdown or less, and they lost every game by single digits. Three and nine. Disgusting. Scott Frost. Nine losses match. by what, 49 points? Is that what you said yeah, the other day? Something, they, they were even. Their, their point spread for win-loss even because they beat Northwestern 49 up or by 49. So they were That's even. That's crazy. Which is absolutely ridiculous. But, again, they choked it away. Iowa comes back in the end, gets the win. You kind of saw it coming. I mean, it's like the Lions. They're literally the same thing. Um, just waiting for the inevitable bad thing to happen, and, and it always does. Um, sad for Nebraska and Iowa. Finds their way into the Big Ten Championship because of it. Um, speaking of Big Ten Championship, we were wrong about Michigan-Ohio State. I stand with with this. Ohio State is a better football team than Michigan, but Michigan was better this past Saturday. They punched them in the mouth, and they had Ohio State wobbling, and Ohio State didn't know what to do. That's exactly what, what it was. They played harder than them. They were more prepared. Ohio State thought they could come in and win because they'd won nine in a row. They really did, and they didn't. Um, credit to Michigan for finally finally getting over their hump. You would have thought that they just discovered the Internet with how they won. Oh, yeah, Harbaugh went from absolute GOAT, as in bad GOAT, to GOAT, as in greatest of all time, because he won one big game. That's arguably the only big game he's won in his tenure at Michigan. It's funny how the memories are so short when something great like that happens, but when the you know what's hitting the fan, the memories go way back to the 1800s and pre-World War II. This is exactly why, Michigan fans, you are disliked not only by Spartans, but by Buckeyes and everybody in the Big Ten. You're cocky, you're arrogant, and you're freaking stupid. Like Ryan said, congrats. Great win. No doubt. Left no doubt. Just like Michigan State pounded your butt, even though the score wasn't that big, pounded the rock down your throat, a couple hundred yards by Kenneth with five touchdowns. You did the same with Haskins, 163 yards, five touchdowns. Ryan said it. You punched Ohio State in the mouth. I think it probably hurt Ohio State to pummel Michigan State the week before. Starters were out by the second half. They were probably thinking, yeah, we got this on cruise control. All we do is beat Michigan. Um, so, you know, that's a recipe for disaster because these are 18 to 22-year-olds for the most part, and they're still kids, and they still make mistakes. But that that said, kudos to Michigan and the players. Congratulations. It's been a really long time. Guys like Hutchinson who came back specifically to beat Ohio State, you got what you wanted. And you know what? The chips are falling your way unless you choke against Iowa this weekend. And, hey, you know, good for you. The only bummer for Michigan State fans is, now we can't hold that completely over them, but I will still say long-term, long run, just like it's been a run for Michigan State over the last 14 years with, what, 10 wins in, in 14 games or whatever it is, um, it's going to continue. I don't think that it, this changes things in how Harbaugh is as a coach. I still think he's overrated. I think he's overhyped. We covered that last week in our coach rankings. Um, but nonetheless, congrats. And congrats to Iowa. I mean, they were... Kind of dead to rights as Nebraska's had a lot of teams. 
and they fought and they clawed and they had a special teams touchdown and they got a safety and just like Nebraska does, they choked it away with a different quarterback this time. Um, you know, Nebraska goes three and nine. They cannot win a close game. I think they've lost 20 games by eight points or less under Scott Frost. Something's got to give. That's a coaching thing, ultimately, I think. Um, but then, you know, Iowa did what they had to. And then let's go ahead to the next one. Minnesota helped them out, and they swung Paul Bunyan's axe, and they took a hot Wisconsin team out at the knees. Call, call me kind of shocked because I thought the way Wisconsin was playing, no way they're going to lose. They're going to cruise into the Big Ten championship game. They're going to be hungry for a rematch with Michigan. Um that game was a 3:30 game, so maybe they already saw that Michigan had won. Maybe they were thinking, okay, we're going to get revenge and we're going to look past Minnesota. And, you know, you don't ever want to look past your rival because these games matter to rivals, especially the ones that don't win very often in rivalries. And that happened for Michigan and it happened for Minnesota. Speaking of rivalries, Ryan, what's the next one you want to cover from the Big Ten this yeah, week? Yeah, we'll talk the old Oaken bucket. I mean, not a surprise. Purdue absolutely smokes Indiana. Um, Indiana 2-10. and 10. From one of the best seasons they've had to two and ten, unbelievable. Um, fired their offensive coordinator. Allen's taking a pay cut or something. Uh, we talked last week, and we don't think he's that good. And he proved again um, against a rival that he's not that good. Injuries maybe hurt them, but you can't. I mean, you got to. Yeah, well, Michigan State had injuries too. You know, every team has injuries at this time of the year. Football is a brutal game. There's a reason why they only play twelve or thirteen games. It's and they don't exactly. play it in the off season, you know, and they only have so many times they can practice with pads. It's a it's a tough game, and you know, in, where injuries bite you is in depth, and that's on again coaching because it's recruiting. You got to get guys that are willing to work their way up and be a second stringer that sees the field, maybe a, an up and coming third stringer and works their way up. It's hard in the portal these days because everybody wants theirs right away, but. That's the mark between a, a great coach and an average coach, and that's what Indiana has as an average coach. And on the other side, you have Jeff Brom. They didn't have, you know, we covered them in our, in our preseason. They really never, come, I mean, they settled in on a quarterback, but that was, they. I mean, they played three against Iowa, for crying out loud. They had hurt running backs. They didn't have much of a running game. But they figured it out on defense, and they went eight and four, and they're going to go to a good bowl game, and things are looking up for them. So, you know, Indiana and Purdue are about on the same trajectory, and, and there's no reason why Indiana shouldn't be about the same as Purdue in football, and they took a giant step back. And then when you sit there and you look at Penn State, although they got off cheap with a 10-year, $75 million extension for Franklin, you got Michigan State with Tucker locked in. You got Michigan, who's riding high and hot right now. You got Ohio State, who's been there and is going to stay there. Then you got Rutgers, Maryland, and Indiana in the East. If you're one of those three schools, you're you're clamoring, and Rutgers and Maryland are never going to get it unless unless they break the geographical thing. You're hoping for a, a reorg and sliding over to the easier division. Um, but yeah, I mean, speaking of which, you know, Maryland. Hats off to them. We had, I think, them. We'll cover our preseason previews next week and see how we did. But I think we had them winning two or three games. They they beat up on Rutgers. Rutgers really limped home. Had a chance to really it, over the last few weeks of the season had a chance to get bowl eligible and failed every time Minnesota and Maryland easily beat them. Um, and Maryland's going to go bowling instead. So, you know, hats off to them. They had a great start. Then they were garbage, hot garbage for a long time, but they, they finished strong when they needed to. And oh, of course, let's talk about the snowball, Ryan. I'll let you start with the Michigan state game. 
Yeah, Michigan State, Penn State. Um, first game I've ever been to with snow. Um, awesome, awesome game. It was so fun. Um, it was really cold, but really fun. Crowd was great. Um, set the seniors out right for Michigan State. Playing sick, hurt, uh, you name it. And Michigan State found a way to win and get to, to double-digit wins. Um, propelling Mel Tucker to win Big Ten Coach of the Year unanimously by the media and coaches, which is awesome to see just the beginning for Coach T there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Peyton Thorne was unbelievable, um, aside from the pick six he threw. Um, and he, he'll tell you that. But, honestly, he played great. Um, K-9 played through the flu, had 140 yards. And an ankle. Yeah, and a bad ankle, foot. I mean, and I'm telling you, I don't know. I know what it looked like on TV because I went and I always watched the replay. But when you're sitting there, and we're in the upper deck on the west side, fourth row, so we're on the pretty much the edge of the upper deck, about the 30 yard line. I mean, there were times during that game I couldn't see all of Purdue or Penn State's wide receivers split out because they wear you know the all whites with just the blue stripe on the helmet. I mean, that's how hard it was snowing. And there were times you could barely see the other side of the stadium. Um, and so for the quarterbacks, Clifford too, to be able to have the games passing that they could and the receiver, you know, receivers have the edge because they know where they're going over a DB, but that was very impressive. And, and like Ryan said, even Thorne on the missed on the pick, he just didn't get that enough on that ball. If he throws that out to the outside, I mean, that's either a catch or it's incomplete. He, you know, he clearly obviously underthrew that ball and it was a pick six and it burned him, but Hey, came back and made a great throw to read late to give Michigan State a 10-point lead, which, you know, ended up being um, key and was the difference. And um, you can't say enough about what what Michigan State did. I mean, there were rumors of up to 20 guys dealing with the flu. They did not practice with pads all last week. Um, K-9 not only with the flu but dealing with an ankle. He still gets about 140 yards, gets another touchdown. Actually, I might have had a second. Well, might have had a couple more if not for slippery footing or – or ridiculous penalties that were called. I think one was a chop block or a hold that was non-existent. But regardless, um, great finish to the season for for Michigan State. And just, I mean, I've been going to games for 30 years, and that's the best weather environment I've ever sat in. Was it a little cold? Uh, Yeah. But the snow was fun. Not the drive home, mind you. but um, And, yeah, it wasn't a full crowd by any stretch. I mean, it's Thanksgiving weekend. The weather's bad. But the students that were there, which is about most of the lower – part of the deep end. Um, they hung in there for the most part. You know, most didn't really seem like fans bailed on the game. I know that was a big thing for Tucker, so that was a good one. And, Ryan, I think we're missing maybe, what, one other Big Ten yeah, game? Yeah, Northwestern Illinois. Yeah. Illinois um, punched above their weight um, this year, 5-7. Yeah. and seven. I mean, not a bad year. Um, year one of Brett Bielema. Northwestern definitely took a step back from last year after – after that good performance they put together. But they're that's what they do. They they have one good year, then two or three bad, then they have a good one, surprise everyone, then do the same thing again. But Illinois impressed me. Bielema like can recruit. He'll, he'll get some good offensive linemen. They'll probably be a bowl team next year um, out there in the West. But, yeah, so regular season done. Um, Rutgers is done, obviously. Illinois is done. Northwestern done. Um, Nebraska as well as the Hoosiers. Um, so yeah, defensive awards and coaching awards and special teams awards came out today. Offensive awards come out tomorrow. Um, bigger awards, I think, are maybe like next Tuesday or so um, down at ESPN. 
um, at Disney. So like the Dope Walker and the Maxwell and all those things. Heisman's coming up. We'll talk more about those awards next week. Last thing I wanted to comment, I meant to say on the Michigan State-Penn State game is Penn State, just for reference for how well Michigan State played offensively coming off that abhorrent loss at Ohio State, Penn State had not given up a touchdown in the first quarter all season and in fact had given up 12 total points in the first quarter all season and Michigan State went 74 yards and 99 yards on the first two drives of the game to score 14 points in the first quarter. So great turnaround by Michigan State there. All right. Let's stay in college football. I um, Just lots of things. I mean, there's so many directions we could go right now, Ryan. I mean, we've got the CFP rankings. Let's react to those. Let's react to maybe some of the coaching changes. What was surprising? Let's react to some of the games that happened last weekend. Go. What's on your mind? Quick games. Bama hardly survives Auburn in the two-point derby. Um, <laughs> had to come back. Nick Saban's Dumbest rule. That overtime rule is awful. Stupid. North Carolina State, UNC. Uh, what, what was it? They scored like nine points in like a minute or something. Uh, two, 14 points in 29 seconds. No, so they no. they no, threw a, not, right? a long pass, got an a onside kick, and then scored like on the next play, and then intercepted a Hail Mary. North Carolina still had a chance because there was a little time on the clock. But epic ending. LSU yep. sends Coach O out in style over AM. Big win for them. No way, he's not the coach anymore. Uh, getting to that, Brian Kelly. Um, a guy that I thought was basically unfireable um, at Notre Dame, just because he's been there for 12 years. He's won, he's gone to the playoff twice, had good years, went to a BCS national title game. Um, and Two CFPs, leaves, right? Yeah. Leaves for LSU. Um, a job that I... I mean, it's a, it's a good job because it's in the SEC. They've won national championships recently. They've been good. Good. They can recruit. But it scares the you-know-what out of me because they can't keep a coach. They really can't. I mean, Coach O, the dude's what, he was like 32-11 and 11 in the last three years, and he gets fired. Uh, one, went, had maybe one, arguably one of the better college football teams of all time two years ago. One, blew everybody out. Fired. Unbelievable. The way that he treated his players on the way out of Notre Dame, he sent them a long text last night, met with them for two minutes this morning, and then proceeded to leave. Um, I would be pissed if I was a Notre Dame player. Or a fan, or an alumnus, or a donor, or or whatever, and where do do they go from here? I'm I'm going to say it right now, he lasts two years at LSU, and then he's going to just retire, um, because he's old anyways. And my second thing, Lincoln Riley. Saturday night said, I have no interest in the LSU job. Well, he wasn't lying um, because Sunday gets hired by USC, who, uh, again, we talked about this before, an absolute abomination of a program that always has high expectations that never, ever reaches them. Um, Yeah, he's a hell of a recruiter. He's a really good offensive coach. That's not going to change in a year. I mean, he got all the recruits at, at Oklahoma, yeah, but they're playing in the Big 12 and it's not that solid. Yeah, you can say the Pac-12 is not that solid, but USC gets good recruits every single year, and it's never been different. Maybe it's because they needed a change, but I, I just don't know. That hire, I mean, I like him a lot. I think he's a good coach, but... He did already turn... Uh, he flipped the five-star quarterback that was going to go to Oklahoma 
yeah. and sit behind, well, now not Rattler because he joined the transfer portal, but Williams and everybody, you know. So he was going to get in line, but he flipped that guy to, to USC. There's a couple of other guys that decommitted from Oklahoma right away when he left that are probably going to go to USC. You know, look, I think he saw, for him, I think he saw a better opportunity to win realistically win and have a shot at the playoffs expanded or not with USC versus Oklahoma going into the SEC with is I think I think in the SEC Ryan what did we determine the other day 13 of 14 teams are bowl eligible yeah literally everyone I think so so you look at it that way you know like football wise and California's got its own problems right the libs out there have ridiculous restrictions on things still with COVID and whatever 5,000th variant they're on. Please give me a break. Get over it. Can we get past midterm elections so we can drop this charade already two years later? But anyway, um, you know, there's those, you know, USC is like right next to Compton. The campus itself is really pretty, but the stadium's not really on campus. The Coliseum's kind of aging, but still, there's a lot of good football players in California that have not been staying in California. And a coach like Lincoln Riley, who can, who had two Heisman winners and a runner-up and can clearly get guys to the NFL, if I'm a young guy, that's a guy that maybe I stay home for instead of traveling you know, to the Midwest or going to the SEC or going to the Big Ten out of California. So I think he's got a better shot to win than Kelly does at LSU. I agree with you, Ryan. I think, I think Kelly's a good stabilizing influence for LSU he's a winner clearly he won at Grand Valley he won at Central he won at Cincinnati he won at Notre Dame he's making a heck of a lot more money I think his base salary was something like 2.7 million at Notre Dame it's going to be 9.5 million at LSU but the pressure to win is now right like you're expected to especially with the transfer portal get recruits that can compete for a job day one and get the plug in and plug and play the right transfers and compete for an SEC title and therefore automatically a you know chance to win a national title every year. He's not going to have a, a growth period. And a gr- I mean, he's, he's going to have to hit the ground running. Open recruiting just happened again Sunday after the regular season ended. Early signing period is what, next week? Yeah. You know, then you got your February signing period. I, I mean, oh yeah, they'll give him a year, especially with a contract like that. But I guarantee you there's easy ways out for them where they're, and they're not going to fall into an $18 million buyout again, you know, something like that. I would at least hope they're not that stupid. But the thing is too, is I was talking about this with my buddies. We can scratch our heads and say, what the heck are college football coaches making this much money for? Hey, you know, billionaire alumni are paying for it. Like at Michigan state, I can't remember the one guy, Steve, somebody in Matt Ishbia, they're ponying up money. That's their way that they want to invest their money. So it's not the school that's ponying up $95 million. They're part of it, yeah, but not all of it. So if that's what these schools want to do, great. I just, I'm just i not really sure why uh, Kelly to LSU is, is the greatest fit. Interesting to see, you know, Michigan State, Penn State, Kentucky even today, Stu, you know, Wake Forest signing their guys to longer-term extensions because they're like, hey, we don't want to see our guy go. Now, of course, that doesn't mean that they're not going to leave. Everybody could leave and, you know, pay their buyout on their own or whatever and go. But, yeah, it's it's crazy season for sure. The transfer portal is going to get hot and heavy. I mean, others, other game-wise last week, the other great one to talk about is Oklahoma State, Oklahoma. That was a really, really good college football game. Ryan and I caught the 
most of this or all the second half of that after coming back from East Lansing. Um, you know, just the, that last regular season weekend has so many good games and that tees us up for this week, which has good games. Um, quickly, CFP rankings out tonight, not really a surprise. One is Georgia. They've been one all the way. Michigan slid up into Ohio State spot number two. That's fair because um, the rest of them are, are still a little bit hazy. You know, Alabama's three. I think that they should be four at this point, honestly. Good chance that takes care of itself this weekend. Cincinnati stayed four, which is big for Cincinnati. It'll be much harder to move them out of there unless some really crazy stuff happens. You got Oklahoma State knocking on the doorstep. Maybe it depends on what they do with Baylor. I mean, they have the advantage of another top 10 game. So could they, as a one-loss team, slide ahead of Cincinnati if they both win this weekend? Maybe. Uh, you got Notre Dame. They're done, so they're going to need some help. They're going to need an Iowa upset over Michigan and you know, maybe Alabama and, e- and even Cincinnati maybe to lose this weekend to, to slide in. But they could. Um, and then the rest of it just is how you're going to kind of fill out the, the um, you know, New Year's Six Bowl games. But anything else in the college football realm, Ryan? We could go on and on and on. There's so much going on right now in the coach. And the carousel is not going to stop, right? Because well, now you got Oklahoma open. you got Notre Dame open. So, you know, I mean, as – People vacate big gigs. They're leaving big gigs behind. You know, they're to go take new ones. What? Where does Notre Dame go? Luke Fickle? He's not going to leave Cincinnati until they're done. I mean, if Cincinnati didn't make the CFP, I could see him taking the Notre Dame job next week. But if, see, if they make the CFP, Fickle's not going to talk to anybody. And so they may miss out on him. Urban Meyer, who was always a hot candidate for Notre Dame years ago, has already come out and said he wouldn't go. I think that'd be a mistake by Notre Dame anyway. So where do they go? Do they go Matt Campbell? Do they go with one of their young assistants? You know, BK is trying to bring his hot assistants, Freeman and Reese, with him to LSU. You know, um, Riley brought his hot assistants with him out to USC. So some of those guys are off the table. I mean, it's it's going to be a really interesting couple weeks with the early signing period coming up. So we'll continue to talk college football for sure. Um, oh, one last thing I did want to say. I'm looking back at my notes. I got to say, and I saw this a lot again this weekend, especially watching games. This whole catch-no-catch catch scrutiny is such nonsense. First of all, it lengthens the game when they're looking at every little thing. Oh, did he bobble it? Did it move a little bit or whatever? It just takes away the spirit of it. And it started with Calvin Johnson the Lions a few years ago. It's just like... I mean, I get it, instant replay and high def, and that helps you, but the spirit of the game is not to say, oh, that, you know, there was a slightest bobble, and so that's enough in my mind to overturn it or to not call it a catch or whatever. I'm just, I'm so tired of it. It adds to the game, you know, length. I just think, you know, they're they're mincing on smallest of things, changing trajectories of games inappropriately, in my opinion, um, Oklahoma State was an example. They had a touchdown that was not a touchdown on a catch rule. It's just total BS to me. Could That could be a podium or whatever too, but that was my last point that I wanted to chat on as far as college football goes. All right, now moving on to spot number three. Last week, we rated the Big Ten football coaches in order from worst to first. Uh, Ryan gave you the even numbers. I gave you the odd numbers, so I got to go number one. 
So I am going to start this week as we rate the Big Ten basketball coaches. I'm going to start this week, Ryan, so you can give the odd numbers. So I'm going to start with number 14, although after today, maybe he's not number 14. And the Big Ten, we'll just preface it this way. The Big Ten basketball coaches are a tough pick because a lot more guys have less experience than, like, the football. I mean, there's there's some clear cut at the top. The middle's a little hazy, and the bottom is like, there's not. I mean, some of the bottom you'll hear from our picks are just guys that just don't have experience, and that's kind of how it goes. But speaking of that, so number 14, Ben Johnson, although – I think he has Minnesota now 7-0. and They beat Pitt pretty much at the buzzer tonight in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Um, he's doing a lot with a little. Now, granted, they haven't really played anybody. Pitt's not you know, particularly great themselves, but still went on the road, beat an ACC team. Um, it'll be interesting to see what he can do recruiting-wise and stuff at, at Minnesota. But for now, uh, Johnson is number 14. Ryan, who we got at 13? At number 13, we have Penn State's new coach, uh, Micah Shrewsbury. Um, was assistant for Purdue for a few years, was also with the Celtics for a little bit. Um, I think he's got a chance to be good. I mean, Penn State, that's not an easy place to win or recruit. I mean, obviously, because not very historic. It's a football school, yeah. Basketball-wise, football school, all that stuff. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think he could be a good coach here down the line. Uh, the next guy you're going to get to, I'll weigh in on him as well. But. <laughs> yeah, Shrewsbury does have a pedigree, at least, out of Painter, because Painter's a heck of a good coach. Um, and I do agree, I think. You know, Penn State had some of their better players transfer out, so I give him a few years. Um, I think he'll do some good things there. Um, number 12, a lot of people would probably disagree with this, but I'm telling you, it was hard to not put him at 14, and that's the turtle himself, Mark Turgeon from Maryland. Um, never been impressed. I mean, he's had some ultra-talented teams at Maryland that he has done jack squat with. Uh, I just there's no excuse with the talent, the facilities, the backing that they have for basketball at Maryland that he shouldn't be a top five coach, and he's lucky to be number twelve. Yeah, I mean he's geographically he is probably one of the easiest places to recruit. And he doesn't recruit it well or hardly at all, um, which is a, a damn shame um, for the kids in the DMV area. Um, just it's, I think he's a piss poor coach. Um, I mean, a few years ago when they had Sticks and Fernando and Cal and all those guys, they were a five or six seed maybe, mm-hmm. and they lost to LSU um, when they were three. They probably should have been a top three seed at least uh, with the type of talent that they had, um, low behold, six seed. Um, and then last year, I think, what were they, 10 last year? And yeah, they and they were better than that. I mean, they've had more talent than that over, over time. I just... He's just vastly overrated. He's experienced, but he gets some good players, but he does nothing with them. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think he's a horrible coach. Moves us to 11, um, a guy that had a lot of success um, where he was first and then in the NBA here and there, and then he's back in Nebraska, Fred Hoiberg. Um, he's a good recruiter, works the portal really well. I mean, he hasn't really done anything in Nebraska. They're Great. That's a it's tough place to recruit. I mean, I think he's a better. I think he's a better coach than than. My my biggest thing with Nebraska is I don't know why they ever got rid of Tim Miles. I, I thought he was really good there. He yeah. Got a lot out of his guys. His players liked him. And they got rid of him because he wasn't winning. Which I mean, yeah, but it, it's Nebraska, it's, right? Exactly. It's not, it's not Kentucky. It's They're like Nebraska. Northwestern. Get a you know have a, a 
um, you know, an NCAA season once every five decades and celebrate it and ride it for the next five decades. I mean, let's be realistic. You're in Nebraska. Who wants to go play basketball in Lincoln? Yeah, no, I wouldn't. All right, so number 10, speaking of Northwestern and coach that got their team to a tournament for the first time ever and hasn't been back yet since, Chris Collins at Northwestern. I do think he's, you know, he's got certainly the pedigree and the lineage coming from Duke, played at Duke, played with Coach K, coach under Coach K. I think he's doing a pretty good job at Northwestern. He's actually gotten some surprisingly decent talent there, really. But he can't, you know, ever since that perfect storm where they got in and they got a win in the tournament, he just can't quite put it back together They'll go on great stretches, and then they'll go on just these puzzling long-term stretches of just diarrhea basketball and, you know, finish below 500 and not even make the NIT. And to me, Northwestern, to me, really, every team, and much like in the SEC, every team pretty much is bowl eligible except for Vanderbilt. In the Big Ten, you should have 12 teams that are good enough. Now, they all beat each other up, certainly, but you should, you know, you should still have 12 teams that are good enough to make, like, to the NIT level, and Northwestern's one of those. Their facilities have improved a little bit. Collins is a decent recruiter. You know, I almost wonder if they're resting on the fact that, hey, I got us to the mountaintop. We've never been to the mountaintop, and so fans are complacent even, and they don't really care. I don't know. It's hard to tell, but we got Collins at number 10. Ryan, who do we have at number 9? Number 9, another one of our favorite coaches, the Fran Kano, Fran McCaffrey, um, another guy that just – the Fran fade is real. The late January, February, Iowa just doesn't play well. Um, they choke a lot in games that they should be winning. And last night they were beating the crap out of Virginia, almost pissed away and somehow won at the end um, against a Virginia team that might not make the tournament this year. Um, so I, I just never have thought he's a great coach. He's kind of a D-bag, honestly, as well. So. Yeah, our boy Polo, you know, always said that he liked him. He recruited him as an assistant. I don't remember where he said he was at the time, Notre Dame or something maybe. But, yeah, I just – Iowa is a team that always fades. They'll rise up and they'll win a couple games they, sh- they sh- shouldn't. They, you know, they're off to a good start this year. The win against Virginia was nice, but UVA isn't – I mean, UVA lost the Navy, I think, in the opener. Um so I don't know how big of a win that is. I will say Murray for them. I think leading the Big Ten at least, maybe the country in scoring. Yeah, as of last, I mean, mm-hmm. for the game last night, twenty-five point seven points a game leading the country. Impressive, impressive. So that's McCaffrey at nine. Um, I'll give you number eight, and this is more I think because of him again being new. Um, I, what happened in that Indiana game? By the way, they lost. They did lose. Okay, Indiana yep. was down big tonight to Syracuse on the road. Little nineteen eighty-seven national title rematch um, and then came all the way back, scored, what, four points in the last how many seconds of the game to tie it, put it and they lost in double overtime. But Woodson um, is our number eight. I think, you know, he did already get some good recruits. He got guys to hang in there and stick with the program that could have easily transferred when, when they fired Miller. Um, I think he'll do some good things, though lost a, a not-so-great Syracuse team. I think Syracuse went 0-3 in the battle for Atlantis last week. I think, yes, or, um, you know, they were three and three. They lost some garbage game at the beginning of the season, but I do think that he'll be a good coach there. Um, it's just, it's hard to say, right? He's just getting started there. So he's number eight. Seven, uh, a guy that's been scrutinized. Um, his players like had that weird thing last year. Greg guard um, mm-hmm. had a couple 
pretty decent seasons for Wisconsin. Then the last couple, they haven't been great, underachieved a little bit. But Wisconsin is what they are. I mean, they'll beat people they shouldn't, and they look like crap doing it because that's just how they play. But mm-hmm. I, I mean, he's a he's a decent coach. I, he, I think Bo Ryan was definitely better than him. Um, but I mean, he's taking the tournament and all that good stuff, and. You know, that's good enough for them up there. I mean, occasionally make a Final Four. Um, but Yeah, and they, yeah. they won the Maui in Las Vegas last week, albeit, you know, and then they beat Played Houston. Really well. They beat a good Houston team, but that was one of the more eh, wah-wah fields, I would say, in a while in terms of the depth. I mean, St. Mary's, who they beat in the finals, is a nice team, but that's not who you usually see in the finals of the of the Maui Invitational. But still, good good win, good tournament win, good win over a highly ranked Houston team in that game. Wisconsin is always what they are, and they're competitive, and they grind you, and they they're kind of a, you know, they got the dirtiest guy in hoops right now, and Brad Davison, and that works for them. And so I think he's square. I don't know that he'd ever be able to get much above seven. I think he'd fall in that six, seven, eight range as a coach, no matter who the coaches were in the Big Ten, to be honest. Um, number six, Brad Underwood at Illinois. Um, I don't know. He did some good things at Oklahoma State. He's done some good things at Illinois. He's had some nice players, certainly, at Illinois. I just am not completely convinced that with the talent that they have, that he's that great of a coach. Like I, I feel like if you gave one of the top three coaches that we're going to get to here shortly in our list, he'd be able to get more out of them. Um, you know, He's got some nice pieces and parts this year. They're going to compete, but... Are they going to be as good as maybe we thought they were? I don't know. It remains to be seen. Things are things are a little bit dicey now. Of course, lots of things change between now and February for sure, uh, February and March. But we've got Underwood at number six. Yep, checking at number five, a guy that uh, was really good at Stony Brook, took him to a couple tournaments. Now he's at Rutgers, a place that had been in tournaments since the 80s. Brought him back last year. They would have gone in 2020 if it were not for the lovely COVID Um whatever the hell you call it. Um, so he's got them going the right direction this year. They're not great. Um, but I think he's a really good coach. He's getting a lot out of his guys. I mean, he can't really recruit to Rutgers. There's not much history. It's like Seton Hall's right there. That's a better basketball school. It's just kind of there. Um, and he's done a really, really nice job there. And he's kind of made it to what he wants it to be. And the, the rack, that's not even called the rack anymore. I can't remember what it's called. Jimmy, uh, it's a... Uh, uh... Jersey Mike's, I think, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, now that's like a rocking place, a tough place to play. He's, he's turned it around, and credit to him. I think I think he's going to keep doing good things there um, as long as he stays. Yeah, number four, um, we got Jawan Howard. I think, and Ryan and I have talked about this last night when we ranked these, agree mostly out of his re- recruiting, not necessarily out of his X's and O's. You know, he is, so far has had his best success really with guys, though, that were beeline holdovers and then mix in a few of his recruits. He's got some nice freshmen this year, but he's also got a very turnover-prone point guard, and that can make a huge difference for a team. It remains to be seen for me if he can ever kind of, if he sticks around for a while, can beat out one of our top three. Uh, You know, you could really take number four through number nine and shift them around. I mean, who knows? after, After a year or two, Woodson may be number four, but for now, Howard is number four. Yeah, and with Jawan, I mean, there's no doubt he's a great recruiter. Uh, I just don't know if he's a guy that you want in a close game trying to get 
deep in the tournament. I just don't think so. Yeah, not without a good right assistant now. Not right now. staff. Yep. Um, number three, watching him right now, Chris Holtman. Um, I think he's a phenomenal basketball coach. He gets a lot of his guys, really good recruiter. Um, help Butler was really good with Brad Stevens. Then they had that, I can't remember the coach in between. He was okay. And then he kind of took over for him. Um, and was really, really good. And then he's at, he's at Ohio State doing a really nice job. Um, he's kind of turned them around from where they were at the end of the Thad Mata era. Um, not being an average team, now they're, they're really good and competitive. But awesome coach. I think he's a great recruiter and motivator. Um, and X is an O's guy. So he's number three. Yeah, and speaking of which, a very solid number two, Matt Painter at Purdue. You know, yeah, they've not quite gotten off the schneid. They haven't been to a Final Four since, I believe, like 1980-ish or so, or somewhere in that early 80s anyway. Even with Big Dog, who he played with, Matt Painter is a really good basketball coach. And Purdue, if you have not watched them, is far none by heads and shoulders like Edie standing on top of Williams standing on top of Ivy better than the rest of the Big Ten, period. He can recruit bigs and bigs galore and then a stopper guard like an Ivy who then who is now developed into an incredible offensive guy. I mean, he can recruit. He has got the pieces and parts. He especially gets the big guys, and then he puts the other guys around it. I love his style. Hate playing Purdue, but really like Matt Painter. I remember as a student at Michigan State, three years in a row, I think we were runner-up to the Big Ten for them winning three times in a row. And Big Dog played there. Matt Painter played there. Quanzo Martin played there. And those guys were cold-blooded when they came to the Breslin, and they were. that's just how good they were. And that's Matt Painter and how he is. Um, he's a fantastic basketball coach and still not very old either. I would be, I, you know, lots of things have to line up. You know, we were watching the 2000 national championship the other day, uh, or the elite eight. I mean, Michigan state played Iowa state. It still is a little bit of a luck, right? Like you've got to make sure you don't catch some team that's on fire from three or whatever. So there's no guarantees that Purdue's going to get in the final four, but this is by far their best shot since big dog in the early nineties. And I would be shocked at this point in time, unless they get a lot of injuries or something goes south. That is a damn good team, and he's a damn good coach. Which leaves yeah, us yeah. number one. Number one, the dean of Big Ten basketball, been there over a quarter century, Tom Izzo, um, winning this Big Ten, has the most Big Ten wins out of any basketball coach. Um, but how many Final Fours has he been to? I can't even freaking count him. Eight Final Fours, mm-hmm. one national championship. He's won the Big Ten uh, so many times I can't even count. Um, won the Big Ten tournament more than anybody else has. Um, can recruit, can develop guys. Um, fiery, great motivator, X's and O's guy. Um, he's biased. I'm, yeah, we're Michigan State guys, but he is the best coach in the Big Ten. Um, and it's it's him and Bobby Knight, one A and one B, as the best coaches in the history of the Big Ten. Um, and I will always stand by that. Yeah, I would agree with that completely. So there you have it. There are fourteen ranked. Big Ten basketball coaches. Um, we'll get we'll keep doing rankings and stuff as we go with the podcast because you know we like to do that. All right, and we're we're definitely going to be running long, so hopefully you've got lots of drive time, Chris. I know you often do, so you'll be happy with this because there's a lot of stuff to unpack in spot number four, and that is a combo of Big Ten hoops and college hoops. I was taking copious notes during Michigan State's run in the battle for Atlantis last week. I had a couple of other just 
things that I pointed out in basketball. So, Ryan, I won't talk to the Michigan State stuff yet, but I'm going to start off with just a couple of just quick flashbangs on things that I saw that just were crazy, great, blew my mind, whatever the case may be. Ohio State, Florida in the Fort Myers tournament had a March feel. Um, Lydell, if you haven't watched him, he's arguably maybe – especially pound for pound, inch for inch, I think probably the best player in the Big Ten, really. I mean, he's a six seven, He's an undersized post, but he's stretched his game out. I mean, he is a baller, but in that game, if you didn't see it, go find it on YouTube. An incredible finish. Great win by Florida at the buzzer there. Wisconsin, we talked about a little bit, won the Maui in, in Vegas. Uh, they beat a very good Houston team. I will say this, love him or hate him, it was so great to see Dickie V back on the call for that uh, first. First, it was the Gonzaga UCLA game, which is an absolute bludgeoning, and then to hear him on the Duke um, Gonzaga game later in the week. But um, you know, he's been the face of college basketball, especially for ESPN since the early '80s. His emotion always is, but it was especially raw that night. It was pure. It was moving. Um, and I had the note. Oh, by the way, Gonzaga is pretty damn good. Then fast forward a couple days and. Duke kind of put him on their butt, but that was still an epic game. I mean, that had a Final Four feel to it. Duke won, and I came away super impressed with Duke. More impressed than I was with their team that Michigan State knocked off to go to the Final Four. Um, Boncaro is, he's legit. I mean, at 6'10", with his body size, but his skill level, I know everybody likes the unicorn. They like Imani Bates, who, by the way, if you watched Memphis last week, he sucks. I'm sorry, Think what you want, NBA. He sucks. Holmgren is a similar player, but I see why he's higher rated than him. And he's a unicorn, but he's a stick. And Boncaro is just knocking him around like crazy. And they, I just, still, Gonzaga is fantastic. Duke is fantastic. Duke, that was probably the most physical and thick Duke team that I can recall. And then now, now that they've got rim protection, I mean, they had, dude, I think had seven blocks against Gonzaga of all teams. Um, and I, again, like my last kind of point, and then Ryan will get, throw it over to you, but Holmgren, you know, the unicorn, I, I still think he's kind of soft. Some of that's not skill-wise. He's a very skilled, but he's so gangly and thin. He just, he's not unfluid. I feel like he's fluid. You know, he had a great, like, behind, rebound or block, rebound, dribble behind the back to a dunk move against UCLA. He just... I mean, he needs to add like 60 pounds, and but Willie, right, is going to be like Marcus Bingham. Like, he's added some size and some weight and some muscle, but that's the one thing I worry about there with him. I just, I don't, I don't quite get that, but those are just some general thoughts. Oh, and then I got to say, Dayton, Kansas, that was, a, that was that the was other awesome. game that, that, that was the game that, it wasn't Gonzaga Duke that Dickie V did. It was the Kansas um, Dayton game, and that was a phenomenal buzzer beater. All right, I talked enough, Ryan. You're, you're, you yeah, go. Yeah, that looks awesome by Dayton. Iona beat Alabama in that in that tournament on the ESPN invite, which is big. Rick Pitino took down Nate Oates. Um, big Ten, wise in basketball. Wisconsin obviously looked good last week. Um, I was playing decent. Illinois looks a little better. Still not great. Um, I don't think they're – I think they're worse than I thought they were going to be. Purdue is unbelievable. I was watching them a little bit earlier. Um, wow, they are. That's far and away the best team in the Big Ten, in my opinion. 
Um, currently watching Ohio State Duke. Um, Ohio State's hanging okay, but like you said, I mean, Duke, they, they look like they have a bunch of linebackers on their team. Um, and then Mark Williams to protect the rim. Um, they, wow, they are fun to watch and they are strong and they play really hard. They pressure you defensively and they run. I think this might be better than that team with Zion and, and RJ Barrett and Cam Reddish, uh, like you said, honestly. They're unselfish. That's the biggest thing. And, are, I, and it's, I, it's, a, it's a good basket. They have two point guards or two or three point guards that are willing to dish. And then Bonchero, obviously, um, and some other really nice pieces. I mean, they, that's a, this is a good team. And don't get me wrong. I hate Duke. And I hope I hate that Duke as well, but they are, they're good. They're, good. they're <laughs> really, really good. Very good. Um, i trying to think what else do I have. Memphis, screw them. Iowa State, they're looking pretty good, actually. Hot. New coach, TJ Olsenberger, um, came over from UNLV, kind of turned their own beat. Memphis bad the other night, which is awesome. I hate Memphis. Battle for Atlantis, we'll get to that. Now, uh, that was the best tournament last week. Um, really good. Michigan State, close win over Loyola, close win over UConn, and then played a really good First 18 minutes against Baylor, and then laid an egg. Um, but Michigan State, a lot of really good things to take away from that. Um, you know, I think Malik Hall played really well, rolled his ankle against UConn, so didn't finish uh, the weekend great, but played well. Christie was cold, and Michigan State was still um, playing, I mean, well. I mean, they were with Baylor for a lot of the game. Um, and the UConn, who's a very good team, as well as Loyola, um, but Tyson Walker looked like the player I thought he would. Um, you know, Julius Marble's been playing fantastic basketball this year. Really happy for him. Joey Hauser um, and A.J. Hobart on the other end of that stick both look horrendous. Um, not good. Hate watching them. Hurts my eyes. I'm not going to talk any more than that. It's going to get me really going. Um, really happy with how Jaden Aikens played uh, against Baylor. Played phenomenal. I think that's a huge confidence boost for him. I think that you're going to see more minutes out of him uh, here moving forward because he's he's a talented kid, um, and the sky's the limit for him. He's going to be a three- or four-year guy from Michigan State. Um, really happy for him. Gabe Brown um, playing great as well, um, looking for a shot, attacking, rebounding. He finally looks like the guy we probably thought he would be, um, which is great. And settling into the role of being kind of the guy, I mean, I think Michigan State still lacks that part of their identity because you look no, at no you, alpha dog. They you, don't have an alpha dog. Yeah, they don't, and they and they need one. And Izzo would say that they need one, and and one still may kind of filter through. And it's kind of on one hand, it's good that you got lots of guys that can step up. That's fine, but you still need one guy. Like last year was clearly Aaron Henry. You know, it's been clearly Cassius Winston. It's been you know a lot a lot, a lot of times as the point guard for Michigan State. You know, just some notes that I took. I thought Michigan State showed a lot of gumption in the comeback against Loyola because they blew a big lead. Um, great defense early in that game, especially Bingham. His rim protection is 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 legit. Game um, And you know, he really gives Michigan State a chance there on the back line and lets them play more aggressive defense. I would say, you know, when he doesn't swat at it, if he waits for the ball and he times it up right, I mean, he can he can throw it on the blocks. He had a lot of blocks in that tournament. Um, I will say way, way, way too sloppy with the ball. 
on uh, offense. You know, at one point, Michigan State in that game had 10 of 11 possessions in a row with a turnover. I mean, that's not unacceptable. In the Big Ten, that would mean a loss even to Nebraska. And Loyola's a good team, so I don't want to say that in a in a way that demeans Loyola, but some of that was their their defense, but a lot of that was Michigan State just being stupid and lazy. Um, you know, on the bright side, the perfect game by Malik Hall, career-high 24 points, didn't miss a shot from the field, didn't miss a free throw. He was hot outside. He was taken to the rack. He was making his free throws. I just have to ask, why is that not more consistent with him? Because he'll do that, and then he'll go away for six or seven or eight games where he might score two or five or six points. I mean, he's got to be a double-digit game. He could potentially be your alpha dog, especially if Ryan and I had our way and Hauser never saw any time except for with the walk-ons. Um, you know, Bingham, like we said, was a stud in that game. Ball screen defense definitely needs some help. Um, and we've got to see more. And this is not just in the Loyola game, but overall, we've got to see more from Max Christie. Like, I get it. The the It's different when the lights go on and you're, you know, not in high school and dominating again. But you can see the difference between the top two, three, four freshmen in the country, minus an Imani Bates, but like the Holmgrens and the Boncaros and Christie. I mean, like, I think he scored no more than seven points in one of those three games in the tournament. I mean, and he can get his shot, readily get his shot, but he is not making them. And I don't think it's because he's a bad shooter. I think he's, it's just not going down. Maybe once they start going down, it'll things will change. But I just do not want to have another great recruit, great shooter who, when the lights go on, pisses himself on on the spot because that was Russell Bird, who was highly touted as a shooter recruit, and lots of guys like that. You know, I want a Bryn Forbes. I want a Mo Pete. I want a guy who's cold blooded who can knock it down, and, and I hope Christie can be that. Right now, Gabe is that, to Ryan's point. Um, I don't think that he's in, he really should be the alpha dog. I don't think he's ever intended to be, but he's doing that for Michigan State right now. And, hey, you know what? They battled Baylor, who's a much better basketball team at this point than Michigan State. Um, they fought toe-to-toe. They had a lead. Um, you know, you got a guy like Marble stepped up. Aiken stepped up in that game. You know, my last couple thoughts is, Hauser's just, he's a liability unless we're playing a low level like a Mac team. I'm sorry, Joey, but that's the level. You're just not athletic enough to play with these quick stretch fours. You don't do what we're paying you to do. Paying, I use air quotes, which is knockdown threes. I mean, in one of those games, you were like 0 for 5 from the field. Um, yeah, you get a lot of garbage rebounds and stuff. You play like lunch league basketball, but that's just not going to cut it on a great Michigan State team. And then Hogarth, I want to love him. I want to love what I saw in the Kansas game and think that that's going to be the norm. But holy regression. Meanwhile, Tyson Walker is getting better and better and more comfortable, which is great. But he can't go 40 minutes a game. So I don't know if you just give the ball to Akins as the backup and let him play 10 to 12. And then Walker plays that 28 to 32. I don't know what the answer is. But right now, Hogarth and Hauser need to be way at the end of the bench with Izzo and Smith and Peterson. Yeah, but I've got nothing else. All right. Since we're going, we're getting to the long territory, and we could, I mean, we could talk. There's so much going on in college football and college basketball right now. We could talk until the cows come home on this, but we will go to spot number five, which this week is going to be probably what, Ryan? Maybe our last week of college football pick them. Um, But we'll do a bowl edition, um, and then 
we'll get a little bit into our predictions as a part of Pick'em for who we think the top four teams will be for the CFP unveil on Sunday. Yep. Uh, reviewed last week. Our worst week yet. Uh, I went 7-6, and six, you went 8-5. You got the one-game lead, and you let me come back. I let you come back and take the lead on me. Um, by so by the way, before we get to that, are the Lions and the Cornhuskers or the Lions are the Cornhuskers of the NFL. They are allergic to winning. Yeah, without a doubt. They will suck. Um, just they're allergic to winning. That's what I'm going to say. Yep. Championship week. Um, all the conference championship games, plus the other game that didn't happen because of COVID, and then a couple NFL games. Start Western Kentucky um, versus UTSA Roadrunners. I'll stand by Western Kentucky. Watch them live. That's a great team. They've won like eight out of nine since Michigan State beat them um, in early October. I'm going with the, the freaking Big Bob Hilltoppers. They're going to win the, the what, what Conference USA. Is that what they're Yeah, doing? I think it is. And UTSA lost last week to, what, North Texas Mean Greens? Yes. Um, so, yeah, so I, I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to go with Western Kentucky, the Hilltoppers. Utah um, Pac-12 championship in Vegas. Um, Utah beat the living daylights out of Oregon just a couple weeks ago. Um, in this, I'm kind of skeptical about my pick here, but I'm going to go with the Ducks again. Um, I think that Oregon is going to have a sour taste in their mouth from that. I think that they're overall a better team than Utah is. I think Utah was just hot. I mean, it was senior night, I think. Um, home game, night game. I think Oregon is going to be pissed about that, and they're going to end up winning this game in a close one. If there's such a thing as a best three-loss team, I think it's Utah. I'm going to go with Utah again to beat Oregon in this game. Baylor, Oklahoma State, a rematch of a really good game earlier this season. Um, you know, I think Oklahoma State's playing really well, and Baylor's good defensively. Um, Oklahoma State showed me some some teeth the other day. I think that this, the Pokes get it done, and get into the CFP, which we'll talk about here soon. But yep. I, mean, it gets I also have the Cowboys in that game. I think Baylor struggled a little bit down the stretch. They, I think it was Texas Tech they barely beat last week. Texas Tech, not a very great team, although they'd been playing okay lately. I think I think it'll be a good game, but I think Oklahoma State wins. Uh, MAC Championship, Kent State, Northern Illinois, go fighting Rocky Lombardis. Yeah, the fighting Rocky Lombardis. I really know very little about Kent State. I know that Northern Illinois has was a, I think picked like 13th or 14th in the MAC, and they're in the yep. championship game. So I'm gonna we'll go with Northern Illinois in this game as well. San Diego State versus Utah State Mountain West Championship. San Diego State did win against uh, Boise last week. Uh, Utah State kind of turned it around. Blake Anderson, year one, um, came over from Arkansas State, nine and three year, um, definitely overachiever. I'm gonna go with the Aztecs, Brady Hoax boys. Um, if we're in a headset now, I think that's why they're going to win. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with the Aztecs as well. App State, Louisiana. I think they, if I'm not mistaken, they had a thriller earlier this year. Really good game at App State. Um, and I think it's a Louisiana's only loss. But Louisiana's coach just left for Florida. They're going to be down a little bit. Appalachian State um, has a good quarterback in Chase Bryce. I think that they get it done. Mountaineers. Yep, I'm going to agree with that as well. We move on to uh, number one versus number three. 
Georgia-Bama, the game we've been waiting for since day one, um, the one we thought we'd get. Um, I think this would be a close one. It's like the first game Bama's a dog in since like 2015, which is absolutely ridiculous. I think that Georgia pulls off a close one, um, and Alabama misses out on the college football playoff here. Yeah, I would agree. Um, boy, Alabama is just so hard to pick against them because they've had so much success. Everything's building up for Georgia. It almost kind of feels like the, the pressure is certainly squarely on Georgia because everybody expects them to win. They've been in the number one driver's seat all along. I just think it's their year. I, you know, Their offense is, is good, not great, but their defense is fantastic. And you know, as we saw last week, you know, Alabama struggled to score against uh, an okay but not great Auburn defense. I think Georgia wins this, but I do think it's going to be a barn burner. Yeah. It's Houston, Cincinnati. Cincinnati, I think, wins this. They get they finally get the G5 into the playoff. Um, Bearcats. Yeah, I'll go with Cincinnati in that one as well. I think uh, we'll, we'll discuss in a minute whether we think that they're going to make the playoff or not. Uh, Michigan, Iowa. Um, Michigan finally stumbles their way into Indianapolis. I'm just kidding. They, they beat a good team. Um, finally found their way there. Uh, I think this is going to be a little closer than the experts think. Uh, that 10.5 point spread, I don't think that lives up to anything. I think it's going to be low scoring. I think Michigan wins this one a close one, 20 to 16 over the Hawkeyes. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of sitting here going back and forth on what I think the game. Maybe this is unrealistic. I think Iowa and their defense and how they kind of bounce back from their little midseason swoon. They still, I don't think they have any, they certainly don't have any carryover guys from 2015 when they lost, but I think it's going to be a lot like that game. But I think it's Iowa who's going to somehow come up with points late in the game to win that game 19 to 17 on a last second field goal. And it's going to absolutely take Michigan off the mountaintop and dash those CFP hopes. That'd be crazy. Uh, Pitt Wake. Uh, this could be a good one. High scoring, two high powered offenses. I'm, I went back and forth on this one. I'm going to go with Pitt because I think Doozy is a, is a good defensive coach here. Um, I think Kenny Pickett's the better quarterback. Yeah, I mean, two really good teams, uh, two really good offenses. I agree that Pitt's got a better um, offense. Um, you know, Pickett's a candidate for the Davy O'Brien Award. I I'm going to go with Wake Forest though. I think. Uh, Wake Forest has had kind of a special season. They had a little bit of a dip there a couple weeks in a row late in the season, but I think that they're going to come back and they're going to get this win, and I do think it'll be a barn burner. And then this last game, this has nothing to do with championship week, but um, it's being replayed because Cal had COVID a few weeks ago when they were supposed to play. California-USC, the battle of the four and sevens. Um, <laughs> USC is going to get this win because they're just so happy that Lincoln Riley is their head coach. Yeah, I mean, USC is not a bad team. They've got the talent. I think they're going to absolutely smash Cal. NFL, three games, Lions, Vikings. Can never pick the Lions again. Go Vikings. Vikings. Cousins is going to tear them apart this time. Yep. Uh, Broncos, Chiefs. Big game in the AFC West. The Chiefs now find themselves atop the AFC West after that little swoon that they had going on there. Um, and the Broncos, are they're hanging tough. 
Um, but I think the Chiefs are playing too well right now. They get the dub. Yeah, Chiefs, for sure. Speaking of teams that are hot, the New England Patriots and Mac Jones um, play the Bills, I think, on Monday Night Football next week. That's going to be a doozy. Um, I can't pick against the Patriots with the way they're playing right now. I love Mac Jones. Um, big fan of him. I think he's doing great things for them. Um, and their defense is playing really, really well. And the Bills are kind of Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah, Patriots are playing really well. Their offense is coming together nicely. They've got a good defense, but I'm going to go with the Bills. I think the Bills, to me, still are the team to beat in the AFC, and it's time for them to wake up and smell the coffee. All right, time for our playoff picks. I can go through my four here, um, what I think is going to be the order. Um, Number one, obviously, the the Bulldogs um, get that one seed that they've been been wanting all year. And By the way, they have a 99% chance on playoff predictor to make the playoffs. Even if they lose that Bama by some, but for some reason they're still going to get in probably as a three seed, two seed. So crazy there at Michigan um, as my number two. Um, just think they're going to win close one and they get in. Um, then Oklahoma State, I was jumping to number three because they're going to beat a highly ranked Baylor team um, and they're going to jump Cincinnati and have Cincinnati as number four getting in as the first group of five team. To do it. Yep, and I'm going to go um, Georgia 1. Georgia's going to beat Alabama, so that's going to knock Alabama out. I have Michigan losing to Iowa, so I'm going to slide. Go go. call me crazy. I'm going to slide Cincinnati up into that two slot as the other only other undefeated team. I'm going to go with the Pokes in the third spot because I think that they're going to beat Baylor. And that fourth spot is going to be a pretty contentious selection, and it's going to come down to Notre Dame and Michigan. And I think that even though it should be Notre Dame off a of one loss, I predict that the CFP committee and their hard on for Michigan and they're going to say, well, Notre Dame doesn't have a coach and that's going to burn. Said that. Did you know that? They oh, no, that. I did not know that. That's going to burn Notre State. Dame and it's going to put yep. Michigan in that fourth spot. So I'm going to go Georgia one, um, Michigan versus Michigan four, Cincinnati two versus Oklahoma State three. Yeah. Gary Barta said that Notre Dame um, not having Brian Kelly will factor in um, with their playoff chances. Which is, which is ridiculous, but is what it, it has is. has nothing to do with. The game. All right, we're we're running super long for this one, so we got to finish up. Plus, I think Mom's probably in the driveway. Ryan and I are doing this remotely. She's waiting to come in the come in the condo. So we will end as we always do with a sprint. Number one, three sports figures to road trip with across the country. Ryan, oh, Phil Mickelson, Michael Jordan, and Shaquille O'Neal. Love it. Who is more unlucky, Nebraska football or the Lions? Oh, it's got to be the Lions. <laughs> nah, this, this may be a week early because we don't even know the finalists, but who in your mind wins the Heisman? I think the Heisman, oh, that's really tough. I think Bryce Young wins it just because he plays for Alabama. Um, I think Walker and Stroud will finish second and third. Don't know which order, though. And then... Bad Mom's Christmas or Office Christmas Party? Office Christmas Party, no doubt. All right, three sports figures a road trip with. That's hard to argue with yours. Phil, for sure, as I just love Phil. Plus, we're going to stop and play some golf. Uh, I got to go with Charles Barkley. I think he just would be an absolute riot. It's kind of like those 
Capital One commercials, right, with those guys. And then, man, it's hard to argue with Shaquille. I think I think I'd have to go with Shaq too, because I just you know if he was still around, Bubba Smith, who played at Michigan State and was in you know the movies after that. Uh, but I would have to go with Shaq as well. Who's more unlucky? Boy, it's a it's a real toss up. But over the history of time and the history of mankind, it's by far and away the Lions. Who loses on a sixty six yard field goal? Uh, who wins the Heisman? Man. I, we're going to get into this next week because I've got a huge potential podium or a whole segment on what the Heisman should be, what it used to be versus what it is now. Well, I'll just say who should win the Heisman, Kenneth Walker, in my opinion, um, who will win it. I'm going to go on a limb. I'm going to I'm going to say that I think I think Pickett from Pitt is going to be a dark horse that might win. For me, Bad Mom's Christmas or Office Christmas Party. Both are really good, but I got to go off this Christmas party. All right, Ryan, give us a, a quick wrap. Yep, uh, follow us on Twitter at the Final Score Thirty Five. Keep giving us stuff for that uh, that third, fourth spot there as we're uh, football's winding down, and um, we're not gonna have as much of that to talk about. So we don't want to just pick your brain about basketball and all that good good stuff. So give us what you want to hear. But uh, thanks for listening and. Uh, Cheers to 50. Yes, cheers to 50. A shout out to uh, Team Anders Realtor, who's been there with us almost since the beginning. Thank you for your presenting sponsorship. If you have realty needs here in West Michigan, go to teamanders.com, and Jim and Donna will take great care of you. Meantime, as Clay Van Stone once said, God, I know I haven't asked you for much in this life. Granted, I was born rich and white and male and straight, except for that one time, but that's Las Vegas. But tonight, I need you to bless this party. This party has to rock.